choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Well, I really feel that we should have a bigger fanfare or roll of drums or something, Howard, to welcome you back. Howard Parkin, back in the studio, live and in person. Great to be here, Judith. It really is. After 12 weeks or whatever it was of um, strange circumstances, should we say, it's just great to be back here and you feel that things are getting a little bit back to normal. Well, this is perfectly true, but I have to say, as I said at the top of the show, thank you, Howard, for keeping the programme going. My absolute pleasure. It was Well, it was great to still hear from you out in your garden there in Onken. Yeah, twice it was actually good, clear nights. The first two were really crystal clear, and I was genuinely out of my garden, and it was great fun doing it. And uh, I remember thinking, this won't last 12 minutes or whatever it was for that section, and it just flew by, and I stood there in my garden, and a lot of wind noise on the microphone, but I'm sure the technology got rid of that. Oh, well, it was nothing that we noticed in. But, it, I mean, you're outside, so yeah. so people understand exactly what good. you're doing. It was doing. good fun doing it. But what I learned from it was that stargazing on a particular night, it's still valid for a few more weeks. But oh, it, yes. Just things are slightly differently positioned, but yeah. broadly speaking, the formation of the sky. Basically, the star right, this, the stars change four minutes earlier each night. That's all it is, four minutes earlier, and it's all down to mathematics. I won't bore you with the details. But so, basically, what we see tonight uh, in... Ten, ten nights time from now, it'll be 40 minutes earlier. So, you know, that sort of thing, which is why we get this seasonal pro- progression of the stars, the summer, the summer, the spring and the autumn and all the rest. And it gives people more to see. And of course, if you stay up late, you can see the autumn sky now, for instance, at three o'clock in the morning today, we'll have the autumn sky. We always talk of the seasons as being at about 10, 11 o'clock at night. But of course, it does change as the Earth spins on its axis. So we see different things to look at. So the real keen astronomers can actually see things right throughout the night, which means they can look at the winter stars in summer and so on, because of the way the the Earth spinning on its axis going around the sun is what gives us this variation. Well, not only did you keep us up to date by and recording the programmes for us, but also during the lockdown, you were working with University College Isle of Man, I weren't you? I was indeed. This all started because I decided, because I, I wanted to do something when I got back from our... Our trip, should we say, when we finally got back from the trip, which was a fraught adventure on of its own, which is another story. Uh, I wanted to do something, and I do lots of talks in the school, so I did free lectures, actually, from my garage. I actually videoed myself doing a PowerPoint presentation in my garage. They weren't particularly brilliant, but I put them on YouTube, and then out of the blue, the college got in touch and said, we're going to put together a series of what we call lockdown learning sessions. Are you interested? says, yeah, I'll do some astronomy for you. So I've done eight weeks for them. The actual last one is tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock. Big plug for the UCM. If you want to do, just get onto the UCM website, Lockdown Learning. Uh, tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock, we'll be doing the July night sky. And that's it then till the back end when we're going to hopefully do some more. But it's it's been great. And I've had lots of people uh, tuning in. And uh, I just wanted to keep it, it going. Because, you know, of all the things you can do, what's the best socially distant activity you can do? Stargazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, but you're saying that, and, and technically you're right, but more and more people are talking about, I think, maybe because more people have been out walking yeah. and they've been looking at the skies, and we have in these weeks... Wonderful weather. Oh, we've just we been, really we, have. We've been talking about, yeah, the wonderful daytime weather, yeah. but the beautiful nights. We've had some love... I mean, let's be honest, uh, just briefly, uh, in the 12-week period, we probably had... 
10 weeks of glorious weather. Okay, these last couple of days have gone terrible. But hey, didn't we have a wonderful time on Wednesday and Thursday? And the skies have been spectacular. I mean, not just the skies, the whole of nature. I mean, the flowers, the birds, the stars. You know, we've been so lucky with uh, what we've had. And uh, we've got to be blessed in so many ways. But at the same time... um, I'm glad it's all, well, I won't say it's all over, but it's certainly mm-hmm. we're a much improved situation. Well, we're just managing the situation as it is at the and moment. Long I, may I think, we, yeah, I, I think we just need to be very, very cautious. Oh, very much so, very much and, so. And also, it, out of respect for people who don't necessarily yes. want to go out and mix for various reasons. Oh, yes, we were just saying that off air a moment ago at our church service this morning. There were some people notably not there because we had our first service. It was great. It was, such, it was like a party almost, a carnival atmosphere. But there were a few people there, and we did. We said a prayer from the beginning, and, uh, you know, we respect that because of their own circumstances. And uh, we did stream the service. I know we're not talking about religion, we're talking about astronomy. But um, it was just great to get back and meet people again. And uh, yes, we didn't do the things you'd normally do, the peace and things like that. But it was just nice to do it. And coming here tonight, I, I know we arranged this last week and I was so pleased when uh, we got the uh, the go-ahead to do it. Sanitised my hands on the way in, looked at all the notices, made sure everything was okay. But um, it's just great to be here. It was great doing it from my back garden, but this is where it belongs and uh, hopefully everyone will enjoy it. Yeah, but quickly, you know, you were talking about the college. I think also a big a big word of appreciation to everyone who has kept so oh, many things going so. online. There's so much because online, yeah. we're all talking about, oh, we'll do that on Zoom. We'll yeah. do that on group messenger, group FaceTime yeah. or Skype. These things we never used before. Yeah. We've become much more aware and it's enabled us to keep in touch. It's it not ideal, of course it isn't. But I think to the people who have gone out of their comfort zone oh, very much. and, and got Apparently. all that together. So a big, a big congratulations. Big hands, I mean, obviously yeah. in my own situation with the, with the college there, the people at the college there, uh, Rosie and Claire and um, Kathy, all those people up there and others um, hosting these Zoom sessions we did every week. And um, it's been a, a very appreciated. And it was very quick to put it on there. There was about 10 different lectures you could go to. And uh, as I say, Last one's tomorrow, but um, hey, we've learned from that and I think there'll be all sorts of things going on um, probably in the autumn as well. Well, you know, we have to look at the broader picture and if delivering things online as well as in person gets a bigger audience, a wider audience, then it's got to be worth doing, hasn't it? Of course it it has. We've learned a lot from it. We have. And as long as we've learned, then... Let's move on. Onwards and upwards. Nothing is wasted. So... What are we looking at? What are the high spots in the coming weeks? Well, the fact that the sun doesn't dip below 18 degrees below the horizon means we don't get dark skies. Uh, This is the time of the year when you just don't get fully dark skies. Uh, It's a bit of a holiday time for the astronomers, but we have got some treats in store for you still. Because, of course, this is the the last two months. I mentioned this uh, from my garden last week, last month, sorry. Um, The noctilucent clouds, lovely word, noctilucent clouds. These are these night shining clouds. That's what noctilucent means. And these are clouds very, very high up, about 85 kilometres high in the sky, lit by the sun, and they really are spectacular. In the west, if you look and see a weird cloud formation in the sky, about 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, midnight-ish, they're like silvery, grey, beautiful feature and they're they're a wonderful feature of very very high clouds thought to be seeded by meteorite dust believe it or not and uh, they're they're wonderful to look at and they really are one of the highlights of june and of course july so keep your eyes out for them over the next few weeks i did a bit of homework hey when i saw that noctilucent clouds were going to be discussed tonight (laughs) i thought i'm just going to have a little look here and this worries me because no 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 (laughs) 
because it, it's just, as you say, it's a really kind of romantic name. And I thought, I wonder, um, what interested me was that, first of all, they appear at different times and they're saying that they're appearing earlier this year mm. than they normally do. Yeah, it's almost like nature again. Things are far more dramatic things in nature this year. It's, it's weird, you know. And not Christian Clouds, one of them. Yeah. And the other thing is that they said that they are of particular interest because they scientists can learn a lot about the Earth's atmosphere mm. from them, from looking at them, yeah, analysing the them. Yeah. Just like, for want of a crude example, um, just like snowflakes, we all know a be- a be- the beauty and the symmetry of a snowflake. And it's a tiny bit of dust that starts the snowflake off. And we think it's the same with noctilucent clouds. It's a tiny fragment from a meteoric trail that's been left in the upper atmosphere. This is a theory. It's not proven. It's one of the theories. And obviously, the more meteoric impacts you get, the more um, noctilucent clouds you get. But then, then the height of them and the anal- analysis of them gives us a far greater indication of what's up there, the ozone layer and all that sort of stuff. And uh, from, uh, again, a beautiful feature, like a rainbow or meteors or whatever, from a beautiful feature, there's so much science behind it as well, which makes us realise how much we can learn and how much we can uh, obviously inquire more. How soon do you think, how we, will we be able to see if any impact it's had with the lack of, of, of air travel, less planes in the sky? How, how soon do you think we'll see well, what, th- what benefit that's I had? I think already, I mean, uh, there the have been... So, I mean, we live on the flight path, let's be honest, the Isle of Man. We always see the planes every day afternoon, late afternoon, going across uh, from east to west and the opposite in the early hours of the morning or uh, early dawn. And there's been so few, and the skies just seem to have been so much clearer. I mean, you've only got to look at the aircraft trails, these water vapour trails, the contrails, as we call them. They are contributing to a, a form of light pollution, if you like. Not light pollution, but atmospheric pollution, never mind the uh, other issues with that. But um, the skies just seem, seem to have been so much more clearer. And again, I go back to the nature, there just seems to be so much more natural beauty. I think this horrible situation we've been in has made us all realize that you know we, we've got to look after each other we've got to be kind we've got to be everything else but also isn't nature wonderful and i think everybody on the planet almost has taken a step backwards and i hope it stays like that from that point of view and we don't all rush back to our our routines and everything else it's, on the island we're so blessed let's be absolutely honest we're so fortunate the island living in such a beautiful place but you see these big cities across and you think are oh, they just going to rush back to work on the tubes and the trains and everything else I hope not. I hope there's going to be some some goods come out of this. There's an awful lot of bad, but I hope something goods come out of it. And hopefully the clarity of the skies is one of them. Yeah, we we need to move forward, but we need to take with us some of the the great things. Yeah. We we just need to to kind of of, of hold that of hold that all together. We do indeed. So what? But obviously, we're going to look out for these noctilucent clouds. Which mm-hmm. I mean, you, I just know from the way you're talking about <laughs> them, they're going to be beautiful. There's been a, quite a few but, sightings already, as you mentioned earlier. I, I saw them um, about a week ago, I think I saw some um, late on at night, it was around midnight, about half past 12, and I thought I saw a glimpse of them. I haven't got a very good westerly view from my house because we, we face south and east, but uh, I think I saw, saw quite a few up there, and uh, they're just magical when you first see them. I never saw any, for years and years I never saw any, I knew, didn't know what they were. And then one night at the observatory, it was actually of a night when we had Chris and Nicole start with us, and we went outside to see the space station going over, and there was a big, huge clump of noctilucent clouds over Peel from the observatory. And it, after that, you know, it's like riding a bike. Once you see one, you'll never forget them. Well, indeed, yeah. And and I do, from from trying to uh, 
think about, well, instead of just looking at the sky and saying, isn't this beautiful? I do try to pick out the things that you've said I'll to look for. Astronomy, yeah, and Venus. <laughs> you've got your homework this Listen, month. This is this is your biggest, cha- I am your <laughs> biggest challenge. Go on, what's my homework? Your homework this month. There's one other thing I will mention, or two other things I'll mention about the July sky before we have our break. And that is, if you want to know where Jupiter is, we can actually see all of the planets this month. Mercury's at the end of July, but we've got Jupiter, Saturn and Mars, very easy to spot in the midnight and early skies. But if you want to know which is Jupiter, which is Saturn, look for the full moon on the 5th of July, Timworld Day. Look on Timworld Day at the sky. It's going to be clear. It's always clear for Timworld Day, says he with his fingers crossed. Uh, The moon is going to slide beneath Jupiter and then under Saturn. Jupiter will be like a beacon above it, very, very bright, like Venus was for us a few weeks ago, months ago. Uh, And then not long after that, literally only about... A handful, about 10, 15 degrees away, uh, you can have the much fainter planet Saturn. So there you go, two planets to spot at once. Hang on till 3 o'clock in the morning, we've got Mars coming up as well. So Mars will be much more dominant in the skies in October when it's at what we call opposition. But Jupiter and Saturn are at opposition, opposite to the Sun, this month on the 14th and 20th respectively. So there's a chance to see them. But you can't see the sky very well because it's not dark, as I mentioned earlier. So... We only look for the very bright stars. So go outside. It's going to have to be midnight, I'm afraid. Or maybe when you finish the late show on a Sunday. There we go. One o'clock will do. Look straight up and look for three bright stars. The three stars of what we call the Summer Triangle. Now, we talk about the Summer Triangle from May right through to about October, November, because it slowly transits the sky from east to west. And at the moment, it's directly overhead in the middle of the summer. Three very bright stars, Deneb, Vega and Altair. You look at the the last two, one's 25 light years away, one's 14 light years away. In astronomy terms, that's quite close. The brightest of the three of them, Deneb, the one in the Cygnus the Swan, 25,000 light, no, 2,500 light years away. Just shows you something about the size and the power of that star. And you can see that with your naked eye. Three bright stars, but one of them, the brightest of the lot, is infinitely further away. And it just makes you start to wonder about the scale and the, the whole thing of the cosmos, the beauty of nature once again. Indeed. Well, you know, it's just some little pointers like that that, that needs to, to set us off. And I have to tell you that I have gone home from work on a Monday morning and I have stood and just looked at the sky at, you know, half past two in the morning and just... I'm impressed. I'm impressed. Well, you know, sometimes things are so, so beautiful that you just have to stand there Mm. and enjoy. We've said this quite often on on air, haven't we? The moment. Just enjoy the moment. I mean, Mm. we had some lovely weather, as we say, in the the countryside around us, but the night sky had its own beauty of its own, the colours and the variety of things we can get to see. And nothing, you know, noctilucent clouds, meteorites. We'll always find something to talk about, as we do on these shows. But um, for people who are interested, um, just have a good look for yourselves. And if you're not sure, well, give us a shout. Oh, happy, happy to talk to anybody anytime. That's what that's what the gentleman is there for. Now, I've, I've done something. I've done something very naughty here. I've changed the music because I thought because I thought we're going to talk about space travel, aren't we? We are indeed. So, we're going to go up, up and away. It's an economy version of a spaceship, a beautiful balloon. <laughs> In space, hmm? you know, the, no balloons, the, the, balloons, the Bigelow in inflatable um, modules. There's something else for us to talk there about in in two minutes and seven seconds. Okay. <laughs> 
balloons in space. Well, who would have believed it? That was, of course, Fifth Dimension. And this is Howard Parkin helping us to look at the Manx sky at night. This is the June edition. We've been talking about the skies in the coming weeks in July. But now let's have a little space catch up, Howard. There seems to be a lot been happening. Well, there has indeed. And it's finally happened. After about three years in the offing, we finally launched men into space from Cape Kennedy once again. Earlier this month, we launched Bob Benkin and Doug Hurley on the new SpaceX Dragon spacecraft to the International Space Station. What a moment that was. I remember watching it avidly live. You know, NASA reckoned more people watched that launch than any other launch ever because it was all online. I know my wife, Sandra, played that with me because I had two computers and a TV on, always with different views of it. And, of course, it didn't go on the Wednesday night when it was meant to go, and it finally went on the Saturday. It was the Saturday, I can't remember now. But it was it was an amazing sight, and it was fantastic to see. And as ever, Judith, I've got a lovely Manx connection. Wonderful Manx connection. I only found out literally a few days before because Chris Stott was in touch to say they're off to see the launch. And, of course, when Nicole trained to be an astronaut, she was from the Bugs, the 1999 class of astronauts called the Bugs. And, you know, Doug Hurley and Bob Benkin were in Nicole's class. And not only that, they've both married two ladies who are also astronauts in Nicole's class as well. So they're all big friends together. And I know they're also thrilled and excited for them going up to the space yeah. station. And uh, we can see the space station a little bit later this month. The space station is going to be visible very easily from the Isle of Man. Lots of different nights. Forget what I said about it not being dark enough. The space station is bright enough to easily be seen. So do look up and see two of Nicole's classmates sailing overhead, probably giving us a wave as we're giving them a wave. And it, it's great to see. And, you know, this is such a big story because this is the first commercial venture into space, the first launch since the shuttle launched back in 2011. And um, the next mission of that, I'm so pleased because when I went on my cruise a few years ago on the uh, Viking Orion and I met all these different astronauts, including Nicole and Chris, were on the ship and I met this chap called Victor Glover and Victor Glover was on the ship and we were celebrating with him and they were pulling his leg because he hadn't been into space yet. He's off. 31st of August, the next Dragon launch is going to have Victor on board as well. So the connections keep on going and it's just so exciting and uh, I just hope other people share my enthusiasm for it because it's just great to see and uh, it's so important to keep this um, this presence going. I think what has fired up people's um, interest in, in it is the, the quality of the coverage. Yes. Because I have to say, on the night that, in fact, it was aborted because of the mm. weather, I was listening to you talking to Chris Pearson. Right. I had my, my iPad up with the screen on it, you know, and looking at the coverage there. And it is when you can see it, yeah. when you're not looking at sort of grainy pictures that you can't really make out what's going on, you, you tend yeah, to wane so in, your in your enthusiasm. So much it really is. And but, of course, that leads itself if things do get delayed. And I know the media are terrible for him uh, when it's get delayed oh you know flopnik and all this sort of stuff from many years ago and uh, it is very much a, a very exact science and like you saw on the aborted launch they, they, it looked fine everything looked fine but there was thunderstorms that's ironic we talk about thunderstorms in the Isle of Man at the moment and um, there were thunderstorms in the area and they didn't want to have the same situation and some silly person said well they launched Apollo 12 in, in, a, in, a, in a lightning storm it's, it's exactly and they very nearly lost the ship and the crew the whole thing because the spaceship was struck by lightning so they now know you don't do it you learn from your past mistakes they get away with it yes but don't do it again 
Well, of course not. And, and I mean, as we saw ourselves this last Thursday night, everybody was circulating oh. on the internet, maps of, on social media, I should say, maps of the island showing where the worst areas for yeah. the thunder and lightning are. Tell me about now, it. If, well, I know, because you were out in it, weren't <laughs> I'm you? I'm afraid I was cycling home from our observatory in Foxdale <gasps> in a thunderstorm. I thought, do I stand here in shelter? Do I get home? What do I do? But uh, it was... It was it was exhilarating as a word. I've never been so wet in my life. I walked in the house. My wife took one look at me and said, you're not coming in here like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a, a term of endearment. I think it was. It was another way of saying, I'm so glad you're home safely, dear. Yeah, wasn't yeah, exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah, of course it was. But, 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 you know, if you can be as precise as that, showing yes. that, that there's more thunder over Ramsey than there is oh, over yeah. Balasala or whatever, of course they're going to have much more information yeah. and it's going to be more specific. And so, but at least they could explain to us exactly yeah, why. they did. And, and nobody, I mean, yes, I'm sure the astronauts were as frustrated as anybody else. Yeah. But of course, but they went two days later and up they went and uh, it was great to see and... Uh, Look forward to them coming back now. And then uh, the, the next crew, the first official mission, this is still a test mission. Those two are on a test mission. Um, so strictly speaking, until the bat, the test isn't over. But they're confident, obviously, everything worked because they did, they did it previously. And then the next mission was really a four-man mission. Uh, well, a four-person mission because one of the ladies is a lady astronaut. And so they're, they're on the way now with the next uh, uh, branch of exploration using the Dragon spacecraft. But it's extraordinary, isn't it? We were all watching for that launch to see if it would go all right. Then yeah. we watched again on Saturday to see them actually get away. Once they get away, and then the following morning they docked with yeah, the, with the, the ISS, station, yeah. then we kind of forget about it. Yeah, and what they're, they're doing, there, yeah. what they're doing at this moment is just as remarkable in its oh, way it as the launch. Mm, it but, is. But we kind of forget about we do, it. We do dismiss know? it. Now, only the other day, and forgive me for not having the details, it's only just come to mind as we speak, but Nicole's just put, she's had an interview with a channel, and it's on Facebook, just put Nicole Stott, and she's done a wonderful interview about being in space and what she saw and how she saw it, and how it motivated her to do art and all this sort of stuff. It's a wonderful little video, so if you get a chance to look at that, um, it does give you a feel for just what they're doing up there. Mm -hmm. And so how would you find that? What would you search for? Just search just put, for her by just name? Put Nicole, just put Nicole Stott on Facebook, and Nicole if I think it, I'll find the link for you and I'll send it to you. Yeah, if we but can I spot it again. Yes, it was well worth looking at. Yeah, and those are the kind of things, especially when there's a, a, a real connection with the island. Exactly. It and is. it's inspirational for young people. Oh, very much. And that's what Nicole is doing now. She's really into this STEM stuff, this science, technology, um, engineering, and maths. Uh, and she's very heavily involved in that and art in space. And uh, she's a great ambassador. And uh, yeah. she yeah. propped up on Radio 2 the other day. Uh, she was being interviewed with. Um, who was she being interviewed with? There's a handful of them. I think Brian Cox was one of them and Nicole and somebody else. Well, Always always in the media. So we need to get her on Manx Radio, I think. I wonder if we could have her as our guest one night. Mm. Oh, you could do anything. There's you an could, idea. Look, power of personality, hey. Howard. You can Manx do Sky it. Sky at night with Nicole Stott. Never mind, Howard <gasps> that, would just be, that would just be amazing. <laughs> and, I'm and, Howard, that. and Howard I'm Parkin. working on that. <laughs> well, now you've, met, you've said it. Uh, you've yeah, said it on air. On air yeah. So people will be... Emailing you, Howard Parkin at Manx.net, saying, when's Nicole Stott <laughs> going to be on Manx Radio? Well, I think Chris has listened to this on occasion, so I don't know if you're listening tonight, Chris, but next time you're on the island, Chris, give us a shout. And you can come um, and be um, our special please guest. Please be our special guest. Thank awesome. you. Now, listen, if much more goes on in space, they'll be installing traffic lights. And, and Well, I'm afraid of a real mega story for you the rest of the, this come month. On, come on. Mega story. Come on. The news is going to be full of it. Because on the 14th of July, on the 20th of July, and on the 23rd of July, three different spacecraft on the way to Mars. 
And this is so such a mega story. It's going to be all over the media because the first of these is going to be the United Arab Emirates, believe it or not, launching their spacecraft to Mars, an orbiting spacecraft called Hope, provisionally scheduled for launch on the 14th of July. Then we've got the NASA spacecraft, the Perseverance rover, and that is scheduled for launch on the 20th of July. And they're all going to get to Mars in about February time next year. It takes that long to get to Mars. And that's going to be followed up on the 24th of July by the Chinese launching a spacecraft, Tianwen-1. And that's going to be a rover as well. So lots of activity and lots of stuff going to be in the media. And Mars is going to be so much in the news. It will come to opposition from an observational point of view in October. And we always launch missions to Mars before opposition, which is every Every two years, which is why you get spacecraft missions every two years. Uh, and then they're all going to get there in February. And of course, the news will be all over the place again. So watch this space and remember, uh, look out for it. Yeah. Now, now, forgive my ignorance. When you say rover, does this mean that these are unmanned, um, unmanned. that are going to, to, to land there and then they're going to send data back? Yeah, and they roll around the surface, be like a remote control car, for want of a better word. Um, but instead of being in your back garden or on the road outside or on the beach, it's actually on Mars. Yeah. And people are driving these little things around. The, there's... There have been four rovers on Mars so far. There's been the Sojourner one, which was a test, and then the, the two the two rovers, Spirit and Opportunity. Then the Curiosity rover, uh, which landed in 2012. And now this next one, Perseverance, is very similar to the Curiosity rover, um, but it's got more equipment on for looking for life. We're looking for life on Mars, ancient life that may have evolved on Mars and has since been has, has succumbed to the environment, which we're pretty sure there's nothing there on surface anymore or in the surface uh, but we believe life did evolve on Mars and this is what it's all about and then um, hopefully we'll see it but you know I, I found another Manx link for you just before we finish another <laughs> lovely Manx link for Come you on. because when they land it when they land on Mars it's not easy to just fire a rocket and land they bounce balloons with spacecraft in them and they use this wonderful thing called a sky crane which is a free-flying um, imagine a, a thing hovering over the surface drops the rover by cables and then lands it on the surface and then the cables are cut and the thing goes off and crashes in the distance that's how they did it and NASA was so not confident I think is the word or that, that this thing wouldn't land successfully they decided to call it the seven minutes of hell because while it was landing they couldn't do anything about it because mission control is seven light minutes away so this expert from NASA, Paul Schenk, his name was, came over. And I, he was a very dry sort of character, a lovely bloke, but very didn't have much conversation. He's very precise, a scientist. And he said, um, I said to him, what do you think the chances of Curiosity landing on Mars will be? And he said, mm, let me think. He said, um, oh, it'll land OK, but what condition it'll be like after it's landed is debatable. Because, of course, if it had landed wrongly, it would have been just smashed to smithereens. And they're using the exact same system to land it again in February the 18th next year, assuming the launch takes place on the 20th. So exciting things coming up. And we can see Mars for ourselves in all its glory um, from about mm, late August onwards. So we'll look out for Mars and we'll talk about that over the course of the next few months, Judith. The Europeans and the Russians were also launching a probe to Mars, but believe it or not, the coronavirus put paid to that one. They weren't. They had a few technical issues, and they had to communicate, because it's a combined European-Russian effort, so that's one that's been put back two years. That one's named after Frank, uh, Rosalind Franklin, the uh, one of the lady scientists who helped find DNA, 
and so it's named after her. So it's a nice touch. It but is, it was yeah. meant to be four spacecraft, so I'm afraid we've only got three this year, but um, there's at least two planned plan for 2022 already. Well, with three rovers going to Mars and it's taking so long to get there, it must be, they, they must be confident that there's something of tremendous importance oh, that absolutely. is to be found once they unravel that's their, their findings there. So, that's we're doing it. again, it's a changing picture, so much to talk about. And Howard, we've gone, even gone over time, but I couldn't possibly, <laughs> I couldn't have stopped you. Not for the world. Full flow. <laughs> not, not, not for the world of astronomy. <laughs> Howard Parkin, thank you very much indeed My for joining pleasure, us. Judith. Come back and talk to us next month. Final do. Sunday in July. It's 25th. A, it's 25th a of July. I've just looked it up. Mm-hmm.